Welcome to High Cheese. It's Friday, May 5th, 2023. And I want to go right into transgenderism. I spoke about transgenderism, I guess, four or five episodes ago. But I want to bring it up again because there's a lot going on with transgenderism as it relates to children. And recently there's been 16 states, mostly in the Midwest and the South, that have banned transgender surgery for minors. But most recently, there's two states, Washington and Oregon, that have passed bills that allow children as young as 15 years old to mutilate their bodies. In Washington, a law was passed that allowed runaway kids that are 15 and older to seek transgender surgery without their parents knowing. While in Oregon, a bill was passed that makes it essentially a right for a 15-year-old to get transgender surgery, again, without their parents' notification. Now, this flies in the face of what went on in Sweden. Now, Sweden's an extremely liberal country, and it was the first country to legalize the practice 41 years ago. However, the tolerant Scandinavian country saw a 1,500% increase in girls ages 13 to 17 saying they were transgender between 2008 and 2018. And guess what? Sweden rolled it back. And Sweden's National Bank of Health and Welfare said the rollback of rights for minors was necessary because little is known about the effects of these treatments over the long term and the risks outweigh the benefits currently. And they realized their mistake and they've rolled it back because we don't know enough about this. And did I say we don't allow minors to get tattoos without parental consent? Can't buy cigarettes. But Oregon and Washington want children to be able to mutilate their bodies. Yeah, this just doesn't make sense. And here's the other thing I just wanted to talk about, too. And and this is from uh, Reuters. A Reuters investigation found out that many detransitioned people, and detransitioned are people that got mutilated, then changed their mind. and said, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. And there's a lot of them. There, there are a lot of people that, and I'm talking about adults, too. For example, they were a biological man, but thought they were a woman, and they went through the surgery. Then they changed their mind. Oh, my God, I made a mistake. Well, Reuters found that many of those who detransitioned actually found out they were gay. And what they said, where are the gay people on this? Where are the gay people saying, well, wait a second. Little Jimmy is playing with a doll. Why are we taking them and mutilating their bodies? Because we think maybe they're a girl. Maybe they're just gay. So where are the gay people out there? Where are the gay people out there saying, well, maybe you know, we shouldn't be mutilating bodies of children because instead of being a woman trapped in a man's body, maybe they're just gay. But the gay community is silent. Why? It's the same reason that the feminist community is silent on when transgender women are allowed to compete against real women in athletics. So it's not about the science. It's all about the politics. And it's shameful. 
And with that said, I want to go to a clip. It's uh, with uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, Vivek Ramaswamy is running for president on the Republican side in the primary. Uh, you know, n- n- a lot of people haven't heard about him. He's a self-made millionaire, extremely wealthy, but he's running for president. He's not going to win, but I'll tell you one thing. He has clarified the issue of transgenderism and why we shouldn't allow children to mutilate their bodies. So with that said, let's go to a clip with uh, Vivek, and he is on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd. So again, let's go to the clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. I don't think I'm denigrating the views of half the country. I mean, let's take the touchiest of those subjects right now on the trans issue. Mm -hmm. I think that when a kid says that I'm born into the wrong body, that my gender doesn't match my biological sex, Mm -hmm. more often than not, that is a case of a mental health disorder. That doesn't mean you disrespect that person. It means they're crying out for help. I met with two young women who regret the decisions they made going through double mastectomies, one a hysterectomy, chemical intervention, now trying to teach kids across the country that when you're struggling inside, going through adolescence, yes, that involves some struggle. We live in a cultural moment today where adults are affirming that confusion rather than actually treating them compassionately. That's cruelty. You ever talk to parents that have a, a, a kid who's going through this? I have, actually. Yeah, yeah and I think I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a, parent, my point it's is a typical this, place to be. I acknowledge that's right. that. But yeah. what we need to do on both sides here is act with compassion, not really what makes us feel good about ourselves. Yeah. And I think that's my main issue across our response to well, transgenderism and to climate. It's solving the actual underlying issues okay. rather than what allows you to signal your virtue. What makes it compassionate, though, to uh, pass a law that denies a parent uh, uh, making their own health care decision for their kid? That's the part of this. That doesn't sound very conservative in small government to me. Well, look, there isn't a state in this union that allows you to smoke an addictive cigarette before the age of 18 that allows you to get a tattoo before the age of 18. That's a body-altering change that a kid may later regret in life. So I think it is perfectly reasonable to say that if you're after 18 years old, you're free to decide whatever you want to do. That's what it means to live in a free country. But below the age of 18, I think it's perfectly legitimate to say that we won't allow genital mutilation or chemical castration through puberty blockers you're, you're for the purpose of that, gender transition. But how do you know it's that? Again, how do you know, are, are you confident that you know that gender uh, is uh, as binary as you're describing it? Are you confident that I it am. isn't a spectrum? I uh, am. Do you know I'm, this as a scientist? Well, there's there's two X chromosomes if you're a woman, an X and a Y. That means there's you're a man. There's a lot of so scientific a research out there. There's a lot of scientific research out there that says gender is a spectrum. Chuck, I I respectfully disagree. Gender dysphoria for most of our history, all the way through the DSM-5, has been characterized as a mental health disorder. And I don't think it's compassionate to affirm that. I think that's cruelty. When a kid is crying out for help, Mm -hmm. what they're asking for is, you got to ask the question of what else is going wrong at home? What else is going wrong at school? Let's be compassionate and get to the heart of that, rather than playing this game as though we're actually changing our medical understanding for the last 100 years. I go back to this. If a parent is dealing with a child that has these, that yes. may have these issues, trust me, the parent, the last thing they want to do is consider something like this. But if that is what they think could help their child pursue happiness or they're not to kill themselves, I, why take away that option? Again, it, why shouldn't it be up to the parent? So part of why parents now suddenly feel that way, let's ask ourselves that, Chuck, is we've created a culture that teaches parents that they're being bigoted or that they're bad people if they don't actually take those steps. So part of what I think is, listen, gender dysphoria for the rare few people who have suffered it is a condition of suffering. My question is why on earth are we going out of our way to create even more of it? And there's no doubt that the cultural movement in this country, even education, 
is creating more gender dysphoria. If it's a condition of suffering, yeah. let's not create more of it. That's what we're doing. Now, quite frankly, I have not heard this position being articulated any better than Vivek. And with that said, I want to uh, switch to a another clip. And this is a clip with Tommy Tuberville. Now, Tommy Tuberville is the former head football coach at Auburn University, and he's currently the sitting senator from Alabama. And he's talking about Megan Rapinoe. Now, Raven, Megan Rapinoe is the lesbian soccer player, activist, who just came out and said she's for biological men competing in women's sports. Now, with that said, I want to take a step back. Why isn't Megan Rapinoe supporting banning children from being sexually mutilated? Because if you ask any gay person, they'll tell you that they were born that way. And I referenced the study that Reuters did that said that many of these detransitioned people, I figured they were gay. So in fact, this whole process, in a way, is denying their gayness. Now, I don't know how you feel about being you know, gay or lesbian, but from their position is that people are born that way. And why don't we find out whether they're gay or not before we start mutilating kids? That should be her position. But Tuberville in his clip, he's not talking about uh, Rapinoe's position on the transgender issue. He's talking about allowing men to compete in women's sports. Now, who would know better than a head football coach at one of the top football programs in the country? So let's go to the clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. Where she's retired now out of soccer and she was a pretty average player, but she, she was an activist and, and this mainstream media gave her a, a, uh, loudspeaker to divorce her opinion. And that's fine. But the problem is if she's voicing now her opinion that, hey, trans boys should be able to, to compete against women. Well, if that would have happened during her career, she'd have been working at Safeway or Piggly Wiggly. She would have never gotten the field. Uh, but now that she's retired, oh, yeah, I'm all for this. And that's the biggest bunch of crap I've ever heard. Uh, the, you know, they stand up supposedly for for all this activist stuff, but they don't stand up for what's right, uh, you know, what's right in this country. It's just, as I go back to, to what I said earlier, the main point about this is it's not fair. It's not fair to girls uh, to know that they're going to be playing for second or third. You know, this Leah Thomas says, well, you know, it, you know, she beat Riley Gaines and, and everything is working out fine. You know, it's nobody should complain. Riley Gaines is five seven. Uh, Leah yeah. Thomas was six four. You don't. You think that's fair? Uh, they they're out of their mind. I mean, but the whole country right now is just going nuts. And Tuberville makes a good point. If you allowed men to compete in women's sports when Rapinoe was playing, she wouldn't have made the team. And what would her position be then? She probably would have been against us. She probably would have been the first people out there saying. Oh, this is unfair. But she's already established her brand and she's got to keep it going. So it's not about what's fair. It's not about any consistency in a position. It's about what's best for me right now. So she's got to keep her mouth shut about transgender children and how these transgender children may actually be gay. And we're denying their gayness. But she can't say that because she already got hers. She got to keep her brand going. And again, I just want to point out, this is their position. Gay people feel that they were born this way. 
However, they look the other way when it's about allowing children to mutilate themselves because that hurts her brand. She got hers. The heck with everybody else. So we shall see. All right, I want to spend a few minutes on artificial intelligence. And let me give you a simplistic definition of what artificial intelligence is. And I'm going to use Google as an example. Now, you know when you do a Google search for, you know, say, flowers, tulips. So you type in tulips, and up comes all these recommended searches. Well, that information comes from somewhere, and that that information comes from these massive storage warehouses that Google controls. So all this information that you get from Google, that's stored somewhere, and it's stored in these massive warehouses. And what artificial intelligence is, is that they have created a program that supposedly mimics the human thought process, and they've enveloped these warehouses with these programs. And as a result, they call it artificial intelligence, where they can make certain assumptions with things and pull them out, use them, extrapolate on different things to the point where they can produce a product that's similar to what a human could produce. You know, for example, say I'm a student and I want to write a paper on William Shakespeare. Well, I can do my own research, write a paper up, or I can go to artificial intelligence, type in Write me a paper on William Shakespeare. And up will come a really nice, well-written paper on William Shakespeare. And so there's many, many, many ways where artificial intelligence can affect our lives, good and bad. Now, Elon Musk tells us there's danger, and there is danger. And he gives us an example. One of the examples that he gave us, he goes, look, you can have AI sway elections sway certain public policy because this AI can come out with a public policy in a well-written white paper that a political campaign can use. But the downside is may be right and may be wrong because the weakness of artificial intelligence is that it's only as good as the people that are programming this artificial intelligence. So if you bring in biases, so if the person that's programming these artificial intelligence programs are biased, well, you're going to have a biased output. And a good example is I, there was this one, uh, there's this one radio commentator, Brian Craig. I watch him occasionally with my wife every now and then. And he was you know, asking questions about Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And what came up as a result of his request is that, well, guess what? The information that came back on Donald Trump wasn't quite favorable. However, the Biden information was much better. And and that's the weakness of AI. You're only as good as the people that are inputting the information into artificial intelligence. And with that comes biases. So you got to take all this with a grain of salt. Now, the other thing that concerns me about AI is this can be all pervasive. This can start operating or manufacturing facilities and other facilities. Now, you hear stories about doctors. Doctors are now going to be able to diagnose patients through AI. And again, that's only as good as the information that's been plugged into these Google databases, as well as the programs that have been created by these people. And I think the downside is that we put too much faith in this AI. 
for example, is artificial intelligence going to weave its way into our atomic facilities? Is AI going to weave its way into operating our factories? For example, my dad worked in a paper mill. And towards the end of his career there, they started bringing in computers to operate the machines. Well, what's going to happen if AI comes in, starts operating the machines, and AI determines that, well, paper mills, they're not good for the environment. So it has the capacity to then go in and wreck the machines because it determines that paper mills aren't good for the environment and therefore shouldn't exist. So there's a lot, a lot of downside to AI. I think what we have to realize is that we have to be careful where we allow it to go. Oh, and before I forget, it will dumb down humanity. There was this company that, when AI came out a couple of weeks ago, this company that uh, was trading on the stock exchange, its stock plummeted because the company tutored children and students. And now with AI out there, you don't need a tutor student. So all the kids have to do is just go on the computer and go to artificial intelligence and have them do their homework instead of being tutored. Let the, let the computer do my work. Well, that's going to dumb down kids because instead of helping the kid with the assignment as a tutor would, artificial intelligence is doing the assignment for the kid. Well, the kid's are not learning. And with that, you get all the biases that are in the program. Now, with that said, let me just read an article from the New York Post. And the headline says, The godfather of artificial intelligence leaves Google after a decade to warn society of technology. He's touted. And it says here, Jeffrey Hinton, known as the godfather of AI, received his PhD in artificial intelligence 45 years ago and has remained one of the most respected voices in the field. For the past decade, Hinton worked part-time at Google between the company's Silicon Valley headquarters and Toronto. But he quit and told the New York Times that he's warning the world about the potential threat of AI, which he said is coming sooner than previously thought. Hinton cited the near-term risks of AI taking jobs and the proliferation of fake photos, videos, and text that appear real to the average person. In a statement to CNBC, Hinton said, I now think the digital intelligences we are creating are very different from biological intelligence. Hinton was sounding the alarm even before leaving Google in an interview with CBS News that aired in March. Hinton was asked what he thinks that the chances of AI just wiping out humanity. He responded, it's not inconceivable. That's all I have to say. According to the Times, Hinton said he quit his job at Google so he could freely speak out about the risks of AI. Now, if you wanted to check out artificial intelligence for yourself, go to ChatGPT. C-H-A-T-G-P-T. Now, you'll have to log in and create an account. But check it out for yourself. Ask it questions. Type in questions and think of yourself what the potential this has and think how this could be a disaster if not handled correctly for humanity. So we shall see. Now, of course, there's no deep state, right? Yeah, sure. 
Now, John Solomon got his hands on an email from Mike Morrell, former CIA director. He's the one who coordinated the Hunter Biden laptop letter signed by 51 former intelligence officials that said the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. Well, in the email to John Brennan, where he's pleading with him to sign the letter, he said it, he wanted to get the letter out there signed so Joe Biden would have a talking point in an upcoming debate with Donald Trump. So he wanted to give Biden a talking point and to push back on Trump. And it's all in the email. And John Brennan, yeah, I'll do it. And they all knew it was fake. They all knew that it was a lie. And this is how the deep state works. It's all coordination. They all know each other. They all contact each other. They all do each other favors in order to go after their target, who at the time was Donald Trump, and still is. But not everyone signed it. Daniel Hoffman, the CIA's former Moscow station chief, told Fox News that he declined signing the letter because there was no evidence of Russian involvement in the Biden laptop scandal. It was not up to us to speculate, Hoffman told Fox News. So I didn't sign the letter. I typically don't put my name to other people's words. And this is how they work. Solomon is exposing the mechanics of how the deep state works. And it's all so simple. Just some emails. They're all on board. They know what to do. Remember Donna Brazil? Donna Brazil was caught funneling questions to Hillary Clinton for her debate. And she was a political operative. But in the deep state, our CIA directors, our intelligent agencies, they're all part of being the operatives. And this is why they undermine the credibility of our institutions. It's not us that are saying that they're not credible. It's their actions. So as a result, John Brennan and James Clapper will now be forced to testify before the House Weaponization Subcommittee about the statement they signed in 2020 discrediting the Hunter Biden laptop as Russian propaganda. And I'm really looking forward to that testimony. They're all hacks, my friend. They're all taking care of each other. They all socialize with each other. They all do favors for each other because it's all about them retaining their power. And that's at expense of the American people. And they all knew it was a lie. So there's really no difference between these former CIA directors and Donna Brazil, a political operative. They're all political operatives. They're all free agents in Washington. Up, to the, up for the highest bidder. Services for the highest bidder. Services that will keep me in power. And that's what they're all about. And you wonder why we have no confidence in our institutions? You wonder why we have no confidence in our intelligence agencies? This is a perfect example. And there's got to be repercussions for this. This can't be ignored. Now, in a related topic, and this could be a bombshell, a whistleblower came forward and said that Joe Biden, during his time as vice president, was receiving cash from a foreign national for favors. And this has prompted Senator Grassley and James Comer of the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability to send a letter to the FBI to demand that the FBI produce an unclassified record alleging a criminal scheme involving then-Vice President Joe Biden and a foreign national. The document 
an FBI-generated FD-1023 form, allegedly details an arrangement involving an exchange of money for policy decisions. Comer issued a subpoena today following legally protected disclosures to Grassley's office. Quote, We believe the FBI possesses an unclassified internal document that includes very serious and detailed allegations implicating the current President of the United States. What we don't know is what, if anything, the FBI has done to verify these claims or investigate further. The FBI's recent history of botching politically charged investigations demands close congressional oversight, Grassley said. The information provided by a whistleblower raises concerns that then-Vice President Biden allegedly engaged in a bribery scheme with a foreign national. The American people need to know if President Biden sold out the United States of America to make money for himself. Senator Grassley and I will seek the truth to ensure accountability for the American people, James Comer said. So this is a bombshell. If this is true, which from the actions of the deep state, it's likely true. This is clearly the smoking gun. So this likely has legs. I know that the mainstream media is trying to cover up. They're trying to laugh at it. Oh, you know, the Grassley and Comer, they're asking for documents that uh, they don't know exist. Well, the whistleblower says that they exist. And we have no reason to believe that Christopher Ray, who is of the same ilk as Brennan, Merrill, and the likes, would present that information to Congress. So we shall see. So I think a lot of us are aware of the exodus of people from blue states, high-tax blue states, to lower-tax red states. And with that said, let me just read an article here, and this is from CNBC. And the headlines say, New York and California lost over $90 billion in income to low-tax states during COVID. It says here, New York and California lost over $90 billion dollars in income during COVID as taxpayers move to other states, accelerating the trend of high earners relocating to lower tax states. New data from the Internal Revenue Service shows that New York State lost $25 billion in adjusted gross income due to outmigration in 2021, on top of $20 billion lost in 2020. California reported a net loss of $25 billion in 2021, following a loss of $18 billion in 2020. Combined, the two states lost $92 billion across the two years. And what does New York do? New York became the first state to ban gas stoves. And this is from the Epoch Times. It says New York became the first state in the country to ban natural gas stoves after the state legislature approved a new state budget that includes a prohibition on fossil fuel combustion in most new buildings starting in 2026. 2026. The final vote followed weeks of what Governor Kathy Hochul called very intense negotiations that led to the May 2nd passage of the $229 billion state budget which includes a ban on gas stoves, furnaces, and propane heating in favor of appliances such as heat pumps and electric stoves. Republican leaders in the state criticized the measure, saying it would drive up utility bills and housing costs. Clearly. Now, to add insult to injury, part of that budget includes 
a cap and invest plan that could increase gas prices by 62 cents per gallon. It says here, and this is from the New York Post, a $229 billion state budget approved Tuesday includes a cap and invest plan to cut carbon emissions that Governor Kathy Hochul's administration has admitted will fuel future spikes and energy costs. Gasoline prices could increase by 62 cents per gallon, while natural gas costs might skyrocket 80%. This is absolutely insane. But what, what happened? I think it was a speech that Holcomb made several months ago. Well, we don't want you here. If you don't believe in what we believe in, we don't want you here. Well, guess what? People are leaving and you're greasing the skids for them. I absolutely do not know what these people are thinking in New York. They have no concept of economics. They think government should be run top down instead of bottom up. And people are leaving New York State in droves. And this is just a sign of stupidity. You can't tell me that Hochul doesn't see these statistics with a huge outflow of New York residents to lower tax states. And what, what does she do? She gives them more incentive to leave. This is absolutely absurd. Absolutely absurd. But New York and California, you're going to get what you ask for. And the chickens will come home to roost. And they already are starting. So with that said, thank you so much for listening. You have a good week, a safe week. And I will talk to you next Saturday.